Are you ready for part two? Sid? Yes, let's go. All right, let's go. So, welcome back, everyone, to our second episode of Worldwide Marketer, a podcast that seeks to spark authentic and meaningful conversations with marketers from all over the world. Today, we'll be having Sid to continue on his journey of running his own performance marketing agency in India. Well, since our last conversation, Sid, you have talked about your journey as an e running e-com brand. So what made you decide to make the transition from e-com to agency? Uh, okay, uh, so that's an interesting one. Uh, it has a, yep. uh, I mean, a very common story, I would say, because a lot of people uh, sail in the same boat as me. So during the pandemic, when the whole uh, world was in lockdown, I, of course, came around a digital marketing webinar, like a lot of people. I went through that and I discovered affiliate marketing uh, through that. So that is something that uh, really caught my eye. I tried affiliate marketing. I started affiliate marketing. So I was, you know, selling our products through JVZoo, uh, Clickbanks and all these Max Bounty and other marketplaces. So affiliate marketing was something that got me uh, actually into the space of uh, digital marketing. And uh, from there in, I discovered Google ads, Facebook ads, programmatic ads, you know, running ads on volume. That is something that I started to do. And then once the lockdown uh, was lifted, uh, I started to run the ads on my own brand as well. And uh, to my surprise, it turned out to be very good. And the results were amazing. So I started sharing those results on my LinkedIn wow. profile, on my social media handles. And that's how I started to get a lot of clients. And then I started to work on their brand and then started to share their stories, their case studies on my uh, handles. And that's how the, you know, it's like the snowball effect that started to happen. And a lot of uh, clients started to roll in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, it's been a good journey. That's where I built the team. That's where I started, uh, you know, getting in more clients. I started outreaching to people. That's how everything happened. And today, yes, we are a team of uh, around uh, 10 people. And we have around 25 to 30 clients in our kitty. Uh, most of them are DTC clients and yeah, I mean, it's been a good journey. It's been a very, uh, worthwhile journey and, uh, yeah, I mean, I think lockdown was something that really pushed me to get on this path. Right. That's interesting to hear that you first started off as a flare marketer yeah. and you discovered digital marketing and then you're like, oh, and you just share your results and people say, like, okay, oh, help me out. Sure. Why not? And then just kind of expand from there. Correct. I'm just wanted to know more about flare marketing. How does it really work in India as well? Like, do you think it's a very different than the Western side? If so, how? It is. It is. Because, uh, so firstly, I think um, whenever you reach out, so I think it's easier for us to get onto ClickBank. Uh, and JVZO and all these portals because it's for the masses. I have had my account banned on ClickBank a couple of times. Uh, so that is something mm. that has happened. Uh, and uh, I wasn't doing anything shady. Uh, if I, so, I mean, still uh, had that happen. And uh, so if I talk about all these other, uh, you know, affiliate networks, they don't really... Uh, they're not really comfortable with Asians uh, coming on board as affiliate marketers. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how, I mean, if people know, you'll ha you have to get approved for a lot of offers. You know, you have to get approved to be, uh, you know, within the network to grab the offers and to promote that. So the uh, network has to approve you first so that you can get the offer and then put out to the market and then, you know, get leads and the conversions and everything. 
so that is what something uh, people have to do and a lot of times asians southeast asians they're not approved for uh, you know these offers because uh, hmm. maybe companies see them as a very spammy or you know it's in somewhere in the gray area dealing with these guys right because they knew because yeah i mean yeah i mean that that's something and then black hat is something which was very common uh, which is uh, you know very common commonly done by uh, maybe asian or something i don't know but that is something that is a notion of it you know uh, so that's what i experienced there uh, but then i i had a youtube channel as well uh, through which i used to uh, promote a lot of products i got a lot of sales and then eventually i ventured into facebook ads and google ads and then uh, yeah i mean affiliate marketing is something uh, which is which has to be done from a very holistic approach you know you you cannot have just one channel promoting an offer you have to be present on all the channels you know there has to be native ads you have to be there on facebook ads you have to be there on google ads facebook is not at all comfortable with affiliate offers so Ooh. i have had four account bans in a space of a month on facebook so Ooh. it comes with its Damn. own headaches you know affiliate marketing it's not very easy to do but once you're able to crack it i think uh, there's nothing better than that with the passive income even come in I think I I stopped affiliate marketing in 2021. I still have uh, you know uh, offers paying me because of the repeat purchases and uh, you know uh, the recurring uh, fee that they pay. So let's say I was selling something that is on a subscription basis. So I get paid yeah. on every month uh, due to that. So if you're able to crack that, nothing like that. Uh, I mean affiliate marketing is the way to go. But then it comes with its own you know uh, drawbacks as well. Yes. Right, and just for those that are really confused and not too sure what affiliate marketing is, mm-hmm. so for the very first, you could give a brief explanation. How does it actually work, and how do you guys actually get paid and all that? Yes, uh, so affiliate marketing is something like you are being affiliated to a brand. So let's say I am selling, um, let's say a watch, right? Uh, you know, yep. I'm selling a watch, and you are an affiliate. So you, you are an affiliate. You take my watch yep. and you sell it to somebody else. So you are an affiliate in this. Okay, you run an ad on my product, my watches. You sell it. So if I sell it for let's say hundred dollars, I give you fifty dollars out of that. You know, so that is what affiliate yeah. marketing is. Affiliate marketing is selling someone else's products to the market and getting a commission out of that. Right. So there are different offers. There are weight loss offers. There are uh, relationship offers. There are money offers that you see. There are softwares that you can sell. So a lot of these things uh, are there that you can sell. I mean, there are millions of products in the market that you can try out with affiliate marketing. Right. So for affiliate marketing, for this case, is you help them promote the product and then you get paid on a certain commission basis. Yes. It could be money, it could be cash, or other uh, other alternative ways. Mm-hmm. And for this case. Is it where you take it and you run your own ads, like yeah. Google ads, Facebook ads, to promote it to others, as if you are owning a brand? Is that yes. right? As a brand owner? Uh, no, you don't have to be the brand owner for that. So let's say uh, I take a product. You know, I go to an affiliate network, I go to a website, I tell them I want to sell your product. They approve me for it, right? Yeah. A lot of brands give their own assets, so they'll be giving you the landing page, they'll be giving you the creatives, they'll be giving you the banners that you can put out on the landing page. You know. You build out a landing right. page. You run ads on that. If you get the conversions, yeah. all the conversions are tracked back by the affiliate network, and then they give out a commission for you. Right. So you don't actually have to invest in the product. You don't actually have to own the product. 
everything is being provided by the uh, partners you just have to sell it basically you just have to run ads on that promote that be it in an organic way or through ads anything you want so i mean that that's your option but then you just have to sell it and then you get a commission for that oh that's that's very interesting as so personally i'm very new mm-hmm. i only heard about flame marketing once and once or twice i'm wondering would be uh like apps such as the honey yeah. like those automatic discount coupons are they flame marketing as well uh yes they are uh right, right. so every uh, product that gives you out a coupon you know uh, i think every brand of product that you're talking about like honey they are affiliated with these brands in some way Mm. so they right. get so, a commission out of every click so there are different things like there are uh, cpl marketing cpa marketing you know sales marketing that we can say so cpl is cost per lead uh, so you know so you just have to get a lead and then uh, you get a commission on that so you get a commission on clicks as well for some offers so it depends on the offers on the product what they're talking about if the brand wants you to fill out a certain form uh then they give you out a payout you know so there right. are certain aspects certain goals for the brands whatever uh, they deem fit and then the payout according to that so it doesn't always have to be a sale it can be anything else okay that that's very interesting as well i think that's something i want to build on that is some a topic i'll touch on is attribution mm-hmm. because in post ios optimization i believe most of the tracking is all completely re- yeah. redundant almost redundant especially to iOS users yeah so i think i will save it for uh, the question i'll pose mm-hmm. for you is what sort of attribution challenges has affiliate marketer faced when it comes to post iOS optimization uh so affiliate marketing i haven't been doing post the iOS thing so i moved into the agency yeah. business uh, but i can tell you about the attribution problems that we faced and how that is being tackled uh you know uh, pose the yeah, that'd be great. yeah let's so let's 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 say for the agency side how do you guys tackle mm-hmm. it yeah okay uh so let's say uh utms are very important initially uh you know yep. so you have to have utms in your urls so that you are able to track whatever is happening so you can uh, have different tools for that people are using triple whale uh some people are using the simple google analytics you know uh so that's what we use as well analytics is something that helps a lot in terms of attribution and then also if you have installed conversion api from facebook and you're just not relying on the pixel part i think that is solving a lot of problems now so it isn't mm-hmm. the same what it used to be 6 months back i mean you will we will be getting attribution somewhere and then uh, if you know you're having the uh, points uh, coming from the server side not from the pixel side you know because right. the problem is with the pixel so the pixel is not able to give back the data uh, to facebook but the server can so if something is if your shopify let's say uh, your shopify is connected to facebook right so that means conversion yep. api is there right so it's a server to server thing that is happening so there is not a lot of, i mean it's people are talking about it like a lot but it's uh, not really a big problem uh, now especially in the last uh, Five to six months now. I mean, the attribution loss is there, but then if you can, you know, collate uh, the information from your conversion API, from your Shopify website, from your Google Analytics, I think you have a pretty good idea of what is working and what is not working. 
So a lot of people just focus on Facebook ads, which is not right. the right way. So we work with Facebook ads. We work with Shopify. We work with the Google Analytics as well. We collate the data together and then we understand, okay, this is the ad that is working well. It is common in all the points, you know, conversion API, Shopify, as well as Facebook, uh, as well as Google Analytics. And, yep. you know, this is the ad which is not working in the other parts. So it is it's not one uh, one point of interest for us. There are three points of interest for us. So that gives us a better idea. Right. So it's more like finding commonalities to say that of the ad to say, okay, if that ad appears multiple times and then it leads to sale. Yeah. That means probably it works well because, compared to the yes. other one that just appeared one time. Right. Because it is being attributed by three different channels now. So it is, I'm sure this must be working. This is being attributed right. to one channel. I'm not too sure if it's working or not. So, so we are able to close that gap down uh, by including UTMs, by, you know, integrating with the API, uh, conversion API, everything. So the gap has reduced as it was maybe initially in the first four or five months of iOS. So a lot of clients, yeah. if you would have heard, had a major uh, dip in the October, November period of 2021. That is when it really kicked in, you know? Yeah, it's really tough, right? Yeah. Like, a lot really of tracking is like, yeah. you thought you got zero, I think you have a few. It was not as bad as you think, but you know, you just got to tell customers to prepare for the worst. Yes, but the people who know how it works, they're able to close it down. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure conversion API does a lot of heavy lifting for you. You're not just dependent on the pixel part that was there earlier. So I think uh, it's not a big problem per se. No. Right, right. Yeah, because I do hear that uh, in marketing space, a lot of people were telling the clients like, oh, you know, our attribution is not correct. So we, when we do have any sales, don't really blame it on us. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know? is, which is true, which is true. But then again, uh, if you're just relying on one platform, to get all your answers, you're in the wrong place, you know, Correct. with all the insights that you have, with all the, uh, you know, tools that you have, I think even if we don't have a hundred percent accurate answer, we already have an 80 to 90% accurate answer to that. Right. So normally would you expect like to attribute less like 20%? Would, would you say that's a benchmark that you guys are using or? Yeah. Is it lower than that? Correct, yeah. 20% is on a safer side. So it could be 25, it could be 15 as well. But that is on a safer side that we've seen, you know. Uh, so let's say Facebook is showing us six purchases, but in reality, we've got maybe seven or five purchases. So that's something that we work around with. Right, so it's giving client like the margin of error to expect to say, yeah. okay, Facebook showed that, but mm. not, that's, but that's, that's not necessarily translate that we got that amount. So don't panic if we got... No, in the end, I think... Uh, Every goal, I mean, the goal of every brand should be to consider the profitability. You know, yep. if if the blended ROAS, if the if the total sales are coming into a piece together uh, with the ad spend that you're doing, I think it all makes sense. Because uh, so, let me tell you an example. Uh, so yep. This client of ours who is having amazing sales through Google Ads, you know, and. Uh, no attribution was being shown in uh, the Facebook ads for them. You know, I, I recently uh, wrote a post as well on LinkedIn with the same thing. Uh, and this happened in September, right? Uh, when we saw that nothing was being attributed to Facebook, we stopped those ads. You know, uh, okay. everything on Facebook was stopped. And their ROAS or sales on Google also dipped because of that. Oh, is it by significantly? Or... Yeah, significantly. No, no, no. no. Oh. Significantly. And then when we started the Facebook ads again, it took maybe a week or so, but it, 
it came back to the normal place again because every channel is contributing to you in some way you know right. maybe we are running just, yeah yeah maybe we are running uh, retargeting ads on google because we are running a lot of stuff on google right uh, maybe it was a retargeting ads that are working well and the retargeting audience that was coming was coming through the facebook uh, pool you know people were seeing ads on uh, facebook they were coming on the website not purchasing but being retargeted by google and then converting you know so every cog is very important together you know uh, of course there are instances where the organic sales are very high and uh, you know sometimes the ads are actually not contributing at all but there are also a lot of cases where the numbers don't seem to match up and we don't see a lot of significance of the particular platform but they are actually contributed uh, contributing in the back end right i mean it is very common as well for facebook since facebook is more i think it goes back to the fundamental concept as well like it's push versus pull mm. facebook is push yeah google is pull yeah. they and generally um, following that logic normally google would should get all of the credit because at the end people will search there yeah. for that particular product but where do they get the awareness from probably facebook, facebook. or other platforms correct, correct. so that's where you kind of kicking the awareness and all that so would you say it's it has been kind of underestimated significantly because of the hours optimization people are saying ditch facebook let's let's not do that go all in google ads do you correct. see that often ah uh, yes that is the case and that's why i came up with this example and this was a very valid uh, uh, example that happened in real time with us and uh, right. you know this is something which i always talk about now and it is something which is not there in front of us but then uh, we always have to you know uh, respect the platform in a way uh, yep. because we have tried uh, excluding that it didn't work out very well for us so we know we we feel we felt the brunt of it uh, so we know uh, you know every every platform is contributing in some way or the other to us right that, that's true mm-hmm. i that i mean maybe that's something that we need to take into account although this might be a bit advanced for those users that have never done uh, marketing before but this is something that has been a hot topic mm-hmm. basically people i think hot potatoes around and people blaming google like getting all the credit they should move it there but technically yeah, yeah, but then again uh, the smart ways to take a blended roas you know like yeah. if you're spending $1000 on facebook you're spending $1500 on google you take $25 at your ad spend and you take that against your sales if the blended roas is great i mean great for you good for you you don't need to change anything there I think that's the way to go. Of course, you can optimize things, but to absolutely exclude a platform is something that needs to be very carefully done. I would say. Right, excluding platform as in like not putting spend at all and just focus on like one or two specific channels. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 yeah correct. I see. In the world of marketing, uh, especially in India, so would you say that Facebook and Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. they were together, mm-hmm. so kind of both bad. Yeah. Plus, the Google mm-hmm. would be the three main sort of giants that they must invest in, like given the current landscape. Absolutely. So, as you said, uh, again, it depends on brand to brand. So, yeah. let me give you an example about this as well. Uh, so, there are certain clients of ours that we have who are marketplaces, you know, who are oh, running okay. uh, uh, websites that are having several brands, several several well known brands, right? uh for those people google does really well because as you said google is pull you know yeah so people know about these brands they are searching for them they are searching for a particular skin care uh, on google and then you know our products pop up and then that's what help, helps in the sale 
uh, on the contrary for the newer brands or uh, the ones that have just been launched in the last 6 months or so a lot of people don't know about that you know we have to raise awareness about that in that part uh, facebook takes the front seat google takes the back seat you know because we have to make people aware about this product of course google is running but it's maybe a 80 20 ratio for us 80% goes into facebook and instagram the 20% goes into google eventually the gap starts to uh, close in so let's say uh, for a for a great established brand it's somewhere in between 50 50 or 60 40 ratio that we split initially it's more of facebook and then google takes again google you have to do for retargeting or the brand awareness because you wouldn't want somebody else to rank on your brand name on google that's a big no you know so these basic things need to be done on google but other than that i think with the pmax coming up uh the shopping campaigns coming up uh, google is very smart and uh, we've seen great results with these uh, automated campaigns coming up although we were not a big fan of these uh, till last year but uh, i think they they're doing amazingly well now so it's it's something we should not count out so google should always uh, be there again like i said you shouldn't exclude anything but it would depend on where you are placed at a particular uh, you know uh, brand life perhaps brand yeah. life cycle perhaps yes brand cycle where are you at that point of time right and is there any up and coming sort of social media platforms that you would think it's a one to watch out or to consider investing in as well given that you know hmm. uh, there there will be a lot of apps coming up so there are a lot of apps actually in india that yep. are running uh, but in terms of advertisements i don't think anybody can beat uh, facebook or google for right. a long period of time if i recall also tiktok was banned in india is that correct yeah. and so is there any alternatives come up of that or all of them just shifted to instagram reels and facebook reels for the time being a lot of uh, a lot of platforms did come up after tiktok i think they're still running but then again they are more about content creation they're more about uh, content consumption not uh, for promoting your products not for running ads so I think for for running ads and to promote your product, if you're talking about numbers, uh, people have shifted to Facebook, Google, uh, Instagram. I think Instagram Reels has really taken up, and with the new uh, placements coming up now, uh, that Facebook I think has just launched yesterday. I think it's going to be. I think you, now you can also place your ads on profile feeds on Instagram. So that's a new thing that has just come up yesterday. So yeah. I mean, they're That's capturing good. everything. You, you, people are seeing four thousand to five thousand ads in a day. Uh, so I mean, <laughs> there's no place that you want to miss out on on these platforms. So there's no other platform that can match that. I'm absolutely sure about that. Right. That that that's fair enough. Yeah. I'm wondering for your case um, in India, like before and after the pandemic, the marketing landscape. Do you think it has shifted significantly, or it's more or less the same, but it's more like the attribution is the main topic coming up? uh see personally i don't think attribution is a problem i think it's more about the creative strategy that has come in now uh oh, okay initially it used to be more about your campaign strategy you know it used to be somewhere around 60% your campaign strategy 20% is your creative 20% is your execution now from what i experience from what i see from my fellow marketers in and around the world 70% yes. is creative strategy now 20% is marketing strategy 10% is execution now so a lot of heavy lifting is being done by uh, the creatives you know what kind of creatives do you run within our agency also we have set up certain frameworks 
that include 10 to 15 creators for a single brand that needs to run yeah. at one point of time because that's how heavy we are reliant uh, on uh, you know the ads to run every creative will have a different angle every creative will have a specific dimensions so it can run in every uh, placement you know so we have to cover that up because a lot of people don't run dimension specific ads even now which which is a big red flag you know a lot of people are just running uh, let's say square ads the 1080 by 1080 ads so you have to cover up the whole assets uh, you know that have been given to you by facebook so for the vertical ad the whole ad has to be shown there for the rectangular ads the rectangular placement has to be covered so we have 10 to 15 ad creatives just for a single ad set that we run and that's that 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 tells a lot in terms of the strategy that we implement talking back let's say 2021 we used to be more heavy on the interest on the audiences that we're targeting on the demographics that we were targeting so that has taken a backseat it's still there but it's more about the creative now what story are we telling out so that has changed in a big big way uh, so if because in let's for facebook in particular uh, instagram we have creative copy and headline yes. how would you personally prioritize the order from the most important to the least important based on your experience and what you've seen from markets around the world uh see creative absolutely takes the top spot for me yeah uh the hook uh takes the second spot for me again uh because the hook is very important that will actually hold the customer together you know so that comes in your primary copy as well as in a video so in creative i mean the hook should also be you know included in that within the first three four seconds that we say so i think uh yeah i mean that way creative uh copy and then headlines i think that that is my uh way to go in terms of uh the ads but then again we try a lot of things like even yeah. if we have five uh options available for description five options available for primary text we try and fill out all of those with different angles that we can get because as i right. said google facebook they are way smarter than us you know we just have sure. to give them the uh, assets and they can deliver to you like anything but if you just give them one asset one simple video one simple uh, ad copy uh, and that's that's why a lot of you know brands do not work very well they do not get the results because they don't have a lot of options to give to these platforms that's true. So you kind of, I assume based on, let's say your sharing as well, you're more leaning towards using dynamic, dynamic ads, like let's say using the Pmax and also even for Facebook would be the dynamic creatives. Is that right for your case? Do you guys use dogs? Uh, uh, see, again, it depends on the life cycle of the brand, which point is it at, at that point of time. Uh, oh, right. So there is a specific, uh, campaign structure that we use which is called uh, daba so daba is dynamic ads for broad audiences oh okay you know so we are running different catalogs for a broader audiences you know with different ad sets in it. so we're able to understand okay this is the catalog that is working well this is the ad set that is working well so we are able to figure out because of that that is one framework that we can do but then again it's not an apple to apple thing you know for some yeah. brands which are problem solving brands uh we are more inclined towards a more creative strategy so dynamically we are not going a lot into that dynamically if you have an apparel brand if you have like a watches brand which is fairly easy to understand for the customers dynamics work very well in that but like the portfolio that we have like the clients that we have they are solving a problem they are very different than the usual 
you know what you get in the market so you have to okay. tell them how they are different and there has to be a story around the creatives you know right. so we cannot do that with a dynamic way we have to create a uh, specific creative specific videos videos do very well uh, so we have to work around those things uh, in a big way now so dynamic does well dynamic does well but then again it would depend on the brand that we are catering to the category the audiences that we cater to right and just for the fellow listeners out there or most of the case when you're running ads it's mostly two types one is lead gen uh, or lead generation mm-hmm. or what we call and one is uh, e-commerce so these two are the main powerhouse within the paid ads mm-hmm. so uh, i'm wondering sid for your case do you just say the campaign structure would differ between lead gen and e-com as well like for example would e-com be more dynamic focused because there's not a lot to introduce but for lead gen where you are like sharing people that does consulting or yeah. all that yeah they have to give more value to let them visualize what it's like mm-hmm. is that correct or yeah correct absolutely so if if you're talking about lead gen now lead gen is yeah. more or less uh targeted towards giving out a service you know yeah uh and if you talk about conversion campaigns they are more or less targeted towards e-commerce let's say selling out a product i mean more or less it can be a lead again or it can be a service again that you are giving out in conversion campaigns but uh the end goal of every campaign is very common it's to make a customer get a customer you know so yeah. in the end everything boils down to that a lead uh lead campaign is fairly i would say at a nascent stage because that is not converted right now you know you're getting a lead the lead would eventually go onto your landing page or you'll have to talk to them to convert them you know so it is at a fairly nascent stage as i would say to a conversion campaign you know uh, to making a sale right. so these primarily differ it's it's fairly easy to get a lead because uh, you know they're not paying out of their pockets it's fairly difficult for you to get a sale because then eventually they'll be paying out so these are the major things and that's why i i feel it's it's easier for us to get a lead rather than make a sale uh, you know yeah of course yeah it's always easier to ask people to submit a form but yeah. when it comes to taking money out of pocket no no no, 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 no. <laughs> we have to wait what more do you offer <laughs> that, that's true that's fine yeah. yeah because the reason why i asked this is i i reckon that there will be some people who ask who have questions such as oh if i run lead gen does it mean that i don't need to run uh i i can do everything manually because i need to control the story and that for ecom there's not a lot of things that say of selling a watch there's not much thing i can say mm. if the future has a similar mm. then then do you think that's the case just uh, using an american order so if you're talking about lead gen if you're talking about the in lead forms you know there's a not yep. a lot there's not a lot that we can offer there's not a lot that we can say yep. we just have a single creative a simple ad copy that we can play around with you know uh if we are talking about lead gen where the people are landing on the home page or a landing page and then then looking at the you know whole structure of your landing page where where there's a lot of ctas where there's a lot of social proof where there's a use yeah. case that is happening so in that way lead gen uh, is different you know uh, but like i said it's more or less within the same bucket i mean every goal for both these campaigns to get a customer right lead gen yeah. can also be a conversion campaign for you if uh, if your button is tagged as a conversion you know although it's a lead so right it would just depend on that but facebook is very smart and i'll tell you how uh, because uh, if you ask facebook to get you a lead and if the button is tagged as a lead 
it will get you a lead. If you tag two buttons, let's say on the same page, one is a lead and one is a purchase, right? If you have, let's say yeah. two buttons on one landing page, one says a lead, one right. says purchase. And you are targeting for leads, you'll be getting more of leads. When you're targeting more of purchases, you're getting more, more of purchases. We ran a specific A-B test campaign for one of our clients where we were getting yep. purchases uh, at a very good scale, right? Uh, but we were also getting a lot of add to carts. So normally we see four to five add to carts per purchase for our e-commerce clients, you know, so four okay. to five add to carts would contribute to one purchase, right? In that case, we were getting, let's say six to seven add to carts for one purchase. So we thought, why not run an AB test? Uh, and you know, why not run a add to cart goal conversion campaign? Like we were running a purchase conversion yeah. campaign. We started an add to cart conversion goal campaign. Yeah. So Facebook is so smart that it gave us a lot of add to carts and we had no purchases, no purchases absolutely no purchases. Wow. So we had around 150 add to carts and I think five Ooh. to six purchases. That's it. So it, oh, it's pretty low. Yes, it's pretty low. And that's what I'm saying. So if you tell Google, uh, Facebook to get you leads, it's going to get you leads. If you tell Facebook to get you add to carts, it's going to get add to, add to carts. So it's going to target the people that add to cart but don't purchase. It's going to, if you go for view content, it's going to show it to people who view the content, but don't do anything else, which is a fact. And we have actually tried that and seen, um, so, you know, whatever your goal is, just tell Facebook that, but then again, you'll have to see a lot of other factors on why the conversions are not happening, you know, with the landing right. page, uh, if the CTR is too low, you know, if the people are not interested in the ad, if the CTR is low. That means you're targeting the wrong audience or your offer isn't great enough or your product isn't great enough. You know? Yeah, because they're not clicking through. Yeah, because either of these things, right? If the CTR is great, but still you're not getting conversions, then there's a problem with the website. You know, what is the bounce rate? If it's loading too slow, if the first fold is not relevant to the audience. So it is a whole journey. Like I said, initially, it has to be very smooth. Right. You'll have to understand uh, what seems to be working, what seems to be not working, you know? Right. Especially when it comes to um, the fact that we have to acknowledge that we can't have 100% attribution. We need to understand this entire customer journey, online world, it's more complicated than oh, offline. Absolutely. Yes. No. Absolutely. You're not able to uh, deal with the buyers directly. You don't know what they're thinking, what they're offering, you know? And exactly. uh, of course you, you have to, I mean, we have tools like clarity and all where you can see the customer journey where they're clicking and all. Uh, yep. But that is to a certain level that you can understand the customer psychology. Uh, other than that, you have to, uh, you know, keep your uh, mind, eyes open to understand what is happening with the campaigns. Uh, that's very interesting. And and I agree with your fact that like when you ask Facebook to perform some action, they will give you whatever yeah. you want. Mm -hmm. For me, I've gone through the example where I'm trying to run a, a e-com e-com business help, help e-com business to mm -hmm. sell their product mm -hmm. and i thought you know add to cart's pretty cheap let's try add to cart objective since purchase are not getting a lot yeah. and what i told the client was oh don't worry i can retarget them it's fine and then <laughs> oh i got like new purchase objective i got like one purchase uh, five purchase and i do add to cart objective i got like zero purchase i was like hey, don't worry i'll target them but at the end, they <laughs> are not they're not buying at all <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, so, that's yeah. the persona of these people uh because facebook yeah, knows yeah. about them you know they don't buy they go surf around add to cart and do that so facebook is way smarter than us i think whoever however long we take we're not able to beat that algorithm yeah, exactly and and also i heard a lot of marketers especially more 
people who has higher budgets that, that have done a lot of large scale testing, mm-hmm. they always have preached about the concept of incremental lift where they, like similar to your case, the Brenda Roas, stop caring about one channel thinking yeah. that it's going to bring, that, it, that it's going to know exactly how, what that's getting all the credit. You yeah. should be able to look at it as a holistic point of view. Correct, correct. I think it's similar to going back to the basics, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. From being very tactic driven to more like strategy driven, I suppose. Yeah. So I think it's very good as well. We have to dive in a little bit deep for those that are not too savvy on marketing. I'm sorry. And <laughs> will, we will go back to a bit more general part. Yeah, I think yeah, let's go to basics. So let's talk about, let's yeah. talk about some common, common challenges. Can you share about what would be the common challenges when you're doing advertising in India? Uh, so common challenges, I don't think there are a lot of challenges when you're uh, dealing in India. I think it's it's a pretty good market uh, if you're a brand, an upcoming brand, because the CPMs are not very high as compared to the Western countries, because we are having clients uh, in the other countries as well. The CPMs are sky high for that, especially in the quarter four. Uh, so in that part, I think, <laughs> yeah. So I think uh, in that way, India is not a bad market uh, to promote your products. But having said that, there's a lot of competition. Uh, so a lot of marketers are there, a lot of brands are there, everybody, especially with the funded ones, you know. Oh, okay. And uh, recently what has happened is, uh, if you heard about uh, the funding winter has come up, you know, because of all the global recession and all coming up, a lot of funding yeah. has stopped in the last uh, six months or so. So a lot of brands that were spending, uh, you know, left, right and center have suddenly now uh, put a stop to it. They're looking for more profitability rather than acquisition. You know, so that is something that has changed, which is a good thing. But if I talk about six months back, they were spending anything in anywhere, you know, without considering the results and anything. So that was something that was a problem, a challenge for us. But I don't see that happening in the next uh, quarter. Like if you're talking about uh, Q1, I, I don't see that happening now because a lot of serious brands would be there. Uh, the quality of the ads has uh, been significantly upped. The game has upped uh, by the brands. And I think it's a pretty good time uh, if you are a brand and if you want to you know, show yourself to the, uh, to the customers and the crowd, I think this is the right time to do that. Right. I'm wondering, is there any media content consumption sort of preference at all within different age groups? I suppose they should be quite different, right? Yeah. How would yeah, that be yeah. like? Uh, so... So we do a lot of testing uh, in terms of our clients. We see, and I'm just talking about uh, the Facebook platform right now. Uh, yeah, Facebook, yeah. So if we talk about Facebook, I think the mid to older generation, uh, let's say 38, 39 plus until 55 plus, 65 plus is more focused on Facebook. With the Gen Z and the newer crop or the younger ones, they are more focused on Instagram. So let's say we have a product which is more, whose TG is, you know, the younger crowd. Then we focus more on Instagram, you know. And if the TG is somewhere like older women or maybe let's say mid to old women, we focus more on Facebook. Uh, Having said that, feed as a placement, uh, the Facebook feed, Instagram feed, uh stories do well for us and i think they do well for a lot of uh, clients as well 
reels uh, for that matter are something which are having incredibly low cpm and i am pretty sure not a lot of people know about this because yeah it's pretty new, yeah, it's pretty new. and if you are having a cpm of let's say $5 uh, for the feed placement uh for yeah i mean for $5 in the feed placement i think for the reels placement it's somewhere around $0.5 it's like What's 10 to 20%. Yes. So that is a hack that I'm telling you. Uh, Instagram reels have incredibly low CPM, uh, especially in India. And a lot of people are not target- targeting that. So we have specific campaigns running just for Instagram reels because of the low CPM we get there. Of course, the CTR is low again because a lot of people are just scrolling through that the reels. That, that is bound to happen. But then, yeah. uh, but then we get that into account and still we get good results because the CPM is way low and nobody is just specifically you know, uh, pushing out ads on that. And another reason is because a lot of people run automatic placements ads, which is the right way to do. But yeah. Facebook would just, you know, push out more budget towards uh, the serious buyers who are clicking. And that happens a lot in stories or let's say feed. So eventually, whenever you see your budget split on Facebook, it would go more towards feed and story. Reels would more or less not get a lot of budgets. But when you push out your ads just on Reels, specific placement you'll get incredibly low cpms there because people are not advertising there oh that's amazing hack for other fellow marketers in india as well if you're looking to capitalize on even lower cpms and yeah. confident that you create tiktok like videos that yeah. works really well mm-hmm. why not go reels go reels go home man <laughs> yeah i think i think that's that's an upcoming trend that is coming up now uh the tiktok style uh, videos i think right it, it's coming to india as well is that yes, correct yes uh, but uh, it's still a very untapped uh, place, I'd say, uh, in India. And it has huge, huge potential. I mean, I, I see the trends that are running on TikTok. And uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it would work in India as well. But not a lot of, uh, you know, marketers are doing that right now. Right. So would you say a lot of marketers are stuck in a traditional way of just creating static yeah. images and just using automatic placements yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever it's, it's fine to use automatic placements as well till the time you are analyzing everything you know if you are analyzing everything like let's say if i am getting conversions uh you know out of that because let's say i'll, I'll give you another example uh so yeah. we had one of these campaigns with our clients which was running on automatic placements right and uh, it suddenly stopped getting conversions in in a week or so so when we structured that down within the placements, we saw that 80% of our budget was going into video feed. Mm, you know, right. the videos that run on Facebook. Yeah, which, the automatic one just keeps going on as well. The yeah, watch yeah, yeah. section. Or in-stream videos. Sorry, that was in-stream videos. So the ones that come in between your videos, the ads. Oh, okay. So, okay, gotcha. uh, and they have a very high CTR as well because people try to, you know, forward that or just click on that. Yeah. They try to do that. Because they're just seeing a video, they don't they want to be disturbed. Although they have no intention of buying from that ad, you know, but they click on that. So that eventually gives a high CTR. And that is something which was a problem for us because we knew we aren't getting any sales from that. But 80% of our ad set budget is going into in-stream video ads. You it's know? a waste. It is a total waste. waste. And that's, that's what I'm saying. Automatic placements are good enough till the time you're analyzing your placements, you know. Uh, like like what happened in our case, if we wouldn't have seen that, it would have just gone on to spend and eventually we'll have to stop the campaign. So these things uh, are eventually that need to be catered into and that's, that's what, uh, you know, performance marketing is all about to analyze every point 
of where the budget is going why is it not working what should work and all yeah that's fair i so it was good to say that consumer psychology at the end it still boils down to that like the interaction with different placements mm. are different like as you said reels they are swiping everything yeah so the intent is definitely low they're not spending time to Correct. look at it if yeah. your book is poor goodbye sayorana <laughs> not, not gonna see you again but if you look at like the entry videos i mean they try to skip everything if you think oh man uh, spending so much is must be getting good result nah mm. if you think about it no but that's the problem sometimes. where s- sometimes facebook takes a back seat you know their ai is not right. able to figure out i mean they are seeing 3% 4% ctr uh, on the instream video ads i mean for them it's it's a high ctr people are interested but reality no no it's not you know so that yeah. is a whole different together uh, different psychology altogether that comes into play again Right. So, yeah, I, mean, I would say that's good. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good to have that conversation as well to understand the different behaviors and as to make it more simpler. Normally, when for advertiser, when we are doing a placement, we should ask ourselves what is our behavior and and simply observe our own. Mm-hmm. Then from there, we should really have a good, uh, better understanding of how each placement works. Is that correct? Yes, you, that is that, that is absolutely correct. And. Uh, there's another variation to it that we do so we try yes. to place our ads for some of our clients we try to place our ads manually just in the feed and story section right we don't want to go into messengers or instagram let's say reels initially we just want to focus on the serious placements that we have where people click whenever they are interested in right and then we retarget them with the automatic placement one right because once people know the brand once people know about you or your brand and then they see that anywhere else okay they are you know able to relate to that like if i saw your brand in the feed i clicked on that and then i see that on let's say uh, on the side placement you know on the right hand right. placement it makes sense for me to go on that again because i know about the brand you know if i see that in the instream video then it makes sense for me to go to that video because go to that page because you know i know about the brand but to make people aware i think that's something that we need to be very careful about and i think to let's say filter them down uh into a more warm audience of uh, feeds yep. and stories do really well because that is where the uh genuineness of a click comes out in play rather than any other placement right. it's more of the bang bang on the buck how yeah. you would say yeah i see i see so uh would you say that based on your sharings like reels and uh let's say videos would be good as uh, for cold audiences like to let them know who we are then after that you retarget them to say okay like mm-hmm. then I'm going through feed like hey do you know who we are bias now yeah. something like that is that correct yes uh, videos do well uh, for us uh, i think it's a proper funnel strategy that would come into place again uh, you know like and as you said going back to basics is the basic thing uh, you know going old school like the uh, awareness reach that should not be the goal uh, of the campaigns but the psychology of your ad should be that you know like you're telling out about the brand information you're introducing your brand in the first ad then you are trying you know maybe down the funnel you're creating that social proof of of showing people using your brand because now the person knows about the brand they know the use case of that you know you're showing people using that brand which builds a lot of authority in the market and then in eventually in the bottom of the funnel like if you're talking about funnel for the users uh, top of the funnel is where the people are cold audience you know they're not aware about the brand you make them aware 
then you build that social authority social proof about that and then you push out an offer there is no simpler strategy than this i think you can work around that you can play around different angles but eventually everything boils down to this it's still those three steps yes basically. just simple three steps that's it right and you know um when we are running ads as well like a lot of people just say just focus on conversions and, and just lead gen mostly do you would you agree with that or have you ever tried out the other objectives and see success for your for your case like the reach <coughs> when See, we've tried that. Uh, I won't lie that we haven't tried that. But uh, again, it, it's it's something uh, that depends on the brand life cycle, uh, where the yeah. brand is at that point of time. Let's say if you're targeting a very premium brand, we have to just target these premium locations. If I if I just pinpoint on a particular location and tell Facebook to target on this the CPMs would be sky high. They would skyrocket. I am not too sure about yes. the CTRs that will get there. <clears throat> so in this case, it would be important for me to run traffic ads or awareness ads or reach ads, you know, just to make people yeah. aware about the market at that particular point. If I'm targeting the whole of India, if I'm targeting the whole country, if I'm targeting whole UK, then it makes sense for me to get conversion because I'm getting a large pool. I'm giving out a large pool to Facebook to filter out the people. You know, the CPMs are low, the CTRs, even if low, I can do with that. Because the conversion is the ultimate goal, you know. But if I'm giving yeah. a very small pool uh, to Facebook, the CPM would eventually shoot up. And then the conversion in the first go, there's a very low chance of that. So, you know, as we said, the funnel structure. So it would depend, again, if you're targeting a big market, go for the convergence campaign. If you're targeting, if you're very narrowly targeting, I think it's very important that you put out your brand first and then push out the conversions for the same market. Right. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Because I do chat with Facebook marketing representatives and they're all saying like, oh, if your market pool is really, really small and running conversion is like going for the top 3%, why not mm. go to the bottom mm. when there were absolute coders like awareness and traffic? Yeah. If your content, the contingent is, if your content is good, you run that, they should be able to engage with it. Absolutely. But if your content is, is bad, no, don't bother, just run conversions. No, no, we've seen you know, the conversions or sales coming through reach or traffic campaign as well, although not as the same, uh, at the same maybe conversion rate uh, than a proper yeah. purchase campaign. But that eventually happens, you know. Uh, but then it's again, what story are you trying to tell out with your brand? If it's more about the brand introduction, if it's more about the brand mission that you're telling out in the ads, purchase campaign won't do a lot, you know. Yeah. So in that way, if your creative is telling out a story about the brand, it's 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 better if you show out uh, that in a traffic or an awareness ad. You know that that makes more sense. Right. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. That that is a great explanation and deep dive into some of the different objectives as well. Because even me myself, I'm even confused sometimes to say that why do Facebook even bother sharing us those objectives? I think those only apply for big brands. I don't think I can do that. You know my I don't even have the cash flow for, for me to afford to to get the long haul, build the audience. No, I mean, uh, it depends. See, if you are, let's say, let's say if you're an NGO, you're, if you're in a social organization, yeah. you know, you don't, you're not concerned about the purchases. You're more concerned about uh, the people coming on the website. You're more concerned about reaching out to the maximum people. So, I mean, the, the goals, objectives work out for them in that way. Uh, if it's about making money, if it's about, you know, getting a sale, I think conversions, nothing better than conversions for that. You should not go for any other uh, options in that way. Right. Yeah. And speaking of this, um, 
I'm wondering, is there any sort of festivals that, or any similar like shopping festivals that we should pay attention if we were to advertise in India? For example, Black Friday, Sunday, Monday, are they very no. in India? And no, nobody oh, knows no. about that. Now that uh, regular customers don't know about uh, Sunday, Monday, Black Friday. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, so festivals are a big part in India. Uh, even today, yeah. we have the Shara here. Uh, you know, we are celebrating the Shara here. And that's why we're not working. Uh, this 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 starts around August. So August is when the festive season starts for India. It goes on to somewhere around uh, Feb, Jan and Feb. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so that is when the festive season is there because uh, Diwali is very big in India. So that happens somewhere around October November, and then we have New Year's. Uh, Jan is a pretty. I mean, it's the start of the year, so we have a lot of sales coming. Then Feb is more like you know the Valentine's and all weeks. So till Feb, it's more or less uh, good. Uh, the slow period is somewhere around April, May, June. That's that's it. That that's right. when uh, everything happens. Yeah. Okay, so so almost half of the year was contributed to its festivals and celebrations yeah, and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, but the major chunk of it is somewhere in the again quarter four, October, November, December. Okay. That's it. Yeah, yeah. that's the same. Yeah. Will Christmas still be a big thing in India as well, or it's? It is. It has started to All come right. up. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are more interested in Diwali, uh, but and that is yeah. like the gifting season. Everything. I mean, you have a lot of offers running on the marketplace. The sentiment is very high in terms of buying, but that carries on. You know, uh, that carries on till New Year's at least. So it, it's a pretty good oh. time to sell out uh, stuff. Right and. In fact, since we're talking about this sort of um, consumer behaviors and all that, I'd like to throw you a question. So, would you say, based on observation uh, towards marketing to in uh, to in India, for the audience, are they more uh, receptive towards free gifts or discounts? I think that's something that all the marketers have been trying to figure out. I'm wondering, what is your opinion on this? Ah, uh, so I feel they're more inclined towards discounts that. what we have experienced mm-hmm. um they don't really get excited with the free gifts now oh i think with all the options that have come up uh like it again depends on the industry that we are working with let's say for skin care industry in our uh, in our d2c market skin care is yeah. something which is very heavy on offers all around the year you know so buy one get one is like a very common offer around the year for these brands so it's yeah. slowly getting to a stage where the offers are not really exciting people in a that's all right i'm used to it <laughs> yeah so that that's something where there's an abundance of offers where there's an abundance of products of brands you know so uh, there's a there's a problem of too many right now that that we're seeing uh but yeah i mean considering that again it would depend on the niche or the category that we targeting if we talk about skin care i think free ones do well if we are ta- targeting another category let's say home decor or let's say apparel i think discounts work very well because if somebody is buying a particular dress let's say they won't be interested in a t-shirt that you're giving out for free but they would be requiring a you know certain offer on top of that so it would depend yeah Oh, that's interesting. For your case, personally, for your agency, what would you say is the proportion of the industries you are actually working with? Ah, oh, it's 
very diverse. So we have uh, clients from apparels, we have clients from FMCG, we have clients from skincare, we have clients from, we, we also do lead gen for a couple of our clients, uh, your story and all, Intel. Uh, so lead gen is something else. Conversion, I think it's more or less pretty diverse. Like, as I said, the brands that we have, they are not easy uh, yeah. to sell uh, because of the USPs that we have. So, and they're quite different, uh, you know, than the other brands in terms of the USPs and the projections that we have to, you know, in the way we have to project to the market, basically. So it, it just varies. But coming into D2C, I think uh, FMCG, fashion, accessories, uh, that, that's, that's a chunk of it right now that we have. Yeah. Uh, fashion accessory. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Fashion mm. is indeed a yeah, yeah. ever growing market. Yeah, yeah. There's abundance of it. Even skincare. I think we have a handful of skincare clients as well. Skincare is something that is really booming in India, especially in the last year or so. It is really, uh, you know, everybody has come into us. Everybody has their own skincare regime now, uh, which wasn't the case earlier. Yes, that is something which has really gone big in the last couple of years or so. I assume even men's skincare is also taking... Oh, yes. Uh, men's grooming, <laughs> beard care and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have this uh, one client of ours who is specifically catering to men uh, for their beards, uh, which is doing oh. amazingly well. Yeah. Beard and hair. So, I mean, it, it's doing amazingly well. Right. So what would you say is the most interesting niche you have ever worked with in India itself? <clears throat> See, niches are something which is very broad for us. But yeah. there are specific brands that we work with, which have taken us by surprise. And uh, we didn't think uh, that uh, these would work, but they have had amazing responses and the customer base that they've built is pretty loyal. So that is something which really uh, came as a shock to us, uh, you know, within the first two months as, uh, itself. And that's when we saw the landscape was changing you know, uh, within the industry or the market, because people are actually looking out for different products. People are actually looking out for something that offers a solution and which is, you know, uh, something different than what is being shown in the market. So that is, right. that is something which is coming up and uh, a lot of uh, experiments are happening now in the industry. Hmm. What well, would you be able to share with us? What sort of industry or product is, is that that took you by surprise? Uh, so let's say, I mean, uh, there's this specific, yeah, yeah, there's this yeah. specific brand which is catering to, let's say, a very m minute number of population in India. Let's say to a specific religion, you know, okay. <clears throat> a very specific religion, and then in itself, it's just targeting one gender, you know. So we didn't think that it was a very big market, but. Oh. Uh, the repeat purchase is somewhere around 50 to 60 percent for that brand. Uh, is it like religion items that they were selling, or and not a lot of items, uh, maybe a catalog of 50 items? Let's say that's it. Oh, I see. But uh, that has really taken us by surprise, and something that we thought would uh, be difficult to target. Uh, but then again, once you acquire the customers for them, the LTV, I mean, the lifetime value of the customer is very high. Because the repeat purchase is tremendous for them. Um, the AOV, average order value is amazing. 
so let's say it, it's somewhere uh, considering the products that we have uh, people buy a lot of these things and they buy at very regular intervals you know so aov is also very good for them uh, the lifetime value is very good repeat is very high so i think this is one brand which was targeting a very narrow audience within india but it still yeah. did very well because of the presence because of the uh, you know branding that was done around that because of the targeting maybe that we did it worked out very well in the end right would you say it's because of a lack of competition as well given that people might thought oh it's a small pool not yeah. not bothered and they just yeah, went yeah, straight yeah. Like, oh. exactly 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 on point yeah that's it because we don't have a lot of competition in that you know there is not a single competitor that i've seen uh, around that brand so that is something which came out as a, as i said again something new something different for people they haven't tried this as well they haven't seen anything like this earlier so the curiosity or the intrigue to try those things and then hang on to these things is a win you know because a sale is not a win for you when you get a repeat buy that is a win for you you know because the customers are coming back that is what eventually makes a brand and having 50 60% repeat ratio is a big thing uh, and having the volume through that as well oh that's so, crazy man like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. because we have a lot of successful brands with us who are doing amazing numbers who are giving out like 15 20 25x uh, returns but these are generic brands again you know these are uh, some brands that people have seen and they are maybe selling out on the style quotient or maybe on the price quotient you know but <clears throat> this is one brand that that is selling out on its uh the core of it you know the core itself is very different from the ones that we see in the market right that's very interesting as well yeah. to see that how niche that you have actually worked with as yeah, a client yeah. i'm wondering what sort of advice would you give to people that were running a or trying to do marketing a freelancer agency mm-hmm. what sort of budget would you recommend them to to start off with like when it comes to working with clients like what's the minimum threshold you would say in india itself given that it has low cpm and all that uh see again initially if you have to start uh anywhere between 1200 to 1500 uh is a must right now in india 1500 oh okay. yeah around 1500 right okay. yeah um, US, dollars or? us dollars yes wow i'm talking about oh, let's say yeah 1200 is a must because uh, you know eventually if you have to go the right way and if you have to have answers like i can start with 500 dollars as well but then eventually i would need more time to understand what the numbers are you know i might not be able to run a lot of campaigns in that i might be able to not test a lot of uh, things in that uh, so if you have to let's say get an answer within the next 40 45 days i think 1200 1500 is the right budget to go ahead with in india because in yeah. that you'll be able to test out different audiences you can test out different creative angles you can retarget people you know if the impressions are not too high you can run a, a traffic ad let's say uh, just for uh, you know worst case scenario so everything considered uh, i think uh, what is what does it count to like 40 dollars per day i think that that is a must for that yeah right see, see. that's good as well and, and it's good that you also shared uh, like sort of what what to expect because Maybe previously before the pandemic, people would think, "Oh, it's gonna be cheap." You know, I don't need that much money. But after pandemic, boom! <laughs> no, no. But then again, I mean, it's very important. Like as I said, I can run ads for five hundred dollars, but the results will take time. You know, uh, it might take two months, seventy-five days, uh, to understand how the numbers. Either you can get in more money and you know 
lower the time or you can push in more time and lower the money so it's it's a trade off yes so it's a give and take like whatever you want to do you can do that right ah, that's mm. good that's good yeah i mean it's very good that we have touched on the topics could we go as deep as the campaign yeah. strategies or placements or even as broad as how is the market overall it's yeah. like sentiments and all that mm-hmm. i'm wondering what would be the number one advice you would give to a fellow listeners out there if they want to start their own performance marketing agency in india okay uh so i'll be raising my own competition now <laughs> but, yeah <laughs> but uh, i think it's a very simple saying that i have uh, and this is something that i i buy by uh, so keep your clients close but your team closer because uh, eventually it's the team that's going to make or build uh, make or break your brand and uh, i am very fortunate to have a, an amazing team that i work with and uh, you know they take the ownership of these brands and the i think the ultimate goal uh, or the basic principle of every agency should be to be communicative you know to have uh, the work ethic because i always tell to my uh, team that you know results are something that is not that is not in our hands you know because we yeah. might be having great results we might not be having great results in some of our campaigns but eventually what matters is the effort that we put in you know how communicative are we with the clients even if if they are talking to us or messaging us late night we are there for them so i think that is our usp and that is uh, why we are uh, uh, you know uh, i think we are where we are right now because the clients that we have have been with us for a long period of time and uh, it's it's all because of the work ethic of our team and the you know actually because of the team that we have because uh, that that's what makes it uh, a great thing you cannot do everything by yourself that's that's the only thing so have a great team and eventually you know plan the frameworks plan the sops uh, plan the system everything is going to be in place if this if the team is uh, the right fit for you if the team isn't right i think there's no way to go then uh, it's it's something uh, that can never be worked out you know Right. It's good to hear that. Like always, at, at the end, it's always the team that is going to make or break as yeah, well. Like, I, like, a lot of people think it's the one man band, you know. Like I would be like, oh man, I just need a laptop. I can work any way I want. But I think the game has changed. It's, we need the creative. It is. It is. No, exactly. Like, let's say we have around twenty-five, thirty clients with us. I cannot cater to all of them. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's simply impossible for me. You would, I would, uh, uh, you know. what's going to happen is is i'm going to burn out or i'm going to leave the agency business that's that these are the only two options that i'll be having so sure. i mean and i'm very fortunate to have this team because eventually they are the ones who do the heavy lifting again i am more in charge of uh, the business development and uh, you know the incoming of more business and then they cater to that uh, whatever systems have built on and you know their proper frameworks that they work around with so i think that's that's a long term thing that everybody needs to focus on initially it's okay uh, that you work out for free uh, just to build out your reputation just to build out some case studies to work around with uh, but then once you are at a certain stage hire more people reinvest in your business and then uh, you know hire the right people again 
Right, that's true, that's true. Got you, got you. Because everybody, some people are like, oh, we just automate everything and, you know, <laughs> who needs a team, man? <laughs> See, agency, agency is something which will, especially in India, I think we're working with a lot of international clients as well. In India, uh, the clients need to have your, uh, you know, presence with their brand. You know, they have to be in touch with you like thrice a week. They have to give you a call, you know. So that is very important for them, which which eventually uh, helps us as well. Uh, I wouldn't lie. But then it eventually makes their brand our babies as well, you know, because we have invested so much into their brands. Uh, so that, that eventually happens. And that's why we, you know, end up doing great for them or, you know, pushing out uh, over our limits for them. Right. It's good to hear as well. Mm. And I'm wondering if you have to uh, think uh, think back, what would you say is the greatest mistake you have made when you are running the agency itself? What's the worst that you have done? Uh, again, I think uh, the worst thing to do uh, would be to not put all your eggs in one basket, I think. That's oh. something that I haven't done, but that I've seen a lot of people do. And uh, that is something that you should not be doing in an agency, you know, having a couple of clients and just fully relying on that. Uh, your business is running as long as, uh, you know, you've got the leads coming inbound for you. So when that stops, you're eventually going to die out. I mean, the business is going to die out, you know, that is something that is bound to happen. Customers or clients won't last forever. So it's very important that you don't rely uh, on a couple of clients and, you know, take them long term and not hunt for more clients. So that's that's something that uh, I've seen uh, has happened with a lot of other agency owners, which is a problem. And uh, that, that's something that I would uh, you know advise you to not put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. All right. That's, a, that's some good advice as well. Well, I think we have been having a really great conversation. Is there yeah. anything you'd like to add on to it? No, I think you're doing a great job, Yi, and uh, had a lovely time coming here. I got to relive all my <laughs> past experiences with you uh, and talking about those things. I, I think uh, it actually, uh, I, and I hope it helps out, uh, sorry, uh, I hope it helps out the fellow marketers as well. Yeah, of course. I think it will absolutely help, especially to people like me who have no knowledge at all in the Indian market and coming in and be like, whoa, that's a lot of knowledge. So I think it's absolute pleasure to have you on, Sid. So thank you everyone for listening. This is the end of our second episode and tune in next time where we'll be, I'll be interviewing more marketers and see you next time. See you. Bye.